with your host, Spike Owen. That would be that. Hello? Hey! Hi there. Now you can hear me, but I think this is going to continue being a problem moving forward, but we're going to find out. Thank you for joining me on this Wednesday uh, Wednesday evening uh, to talk about something that's really incredible that has been happening this month with some incredible people that have been doing some amazing things in Tennessee. Uh, we're going to be having a great time tonight, uh, especially once I figure out what kind of audio issues we're having. This is a Muddy Waters Media production. Check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Anchor, Twitter, Periscope, everywhere. Check us out on all social media platforms, on all podcasting platforms, and uh, everywhere else that you can possibly find us, be sure to go to anchor.fm slash muddied waters, uh, to leave us messages and questions, uh, that we can answer every Tuesday night on the muddy waters of freedom. And also to join us, uh, and to watch every episode on muddied waters media. You can also all always go in and hit the bell when you are on YouTube, hit the bell because we want your phone to explode every time we have, uh, a, we go live. Um, be sure to like us, follow us, five star us, and however you're listening or watching to watching this, and hit the bell. Uh, share this video or podcast or whatever you're watching or listening. Share it right now on everything that you're a part of. The last thing that I want 
is for your closest friends and loved ones to miss out on a roughly hour-long libertarian podcast on a Wednesday evening. Give the gift of Spike Cohen today, kids Love it. This episode, of course, is brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing waffle related caucus in this or any other political party anywhere on the planet, because who else? No one else would do this. Go to the Facebook group Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus to become a member today. Uh, And if you want to become a duly seated voting member, whatever the hell that means, go to muddywatersmedia.com slash store and pick yourself up a muddy uh, Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus button. Then you can vote. We don't have votes, but you can vote, I guess, whatever. The Gravy King. Nug of Knowledge. Uh, Nug of Knowledge is a uh, smokable CBD supplier, not your everyday supplier, because a portion of the profits go to help end the war on drugs. They also have a compassionate use program that donates medicinal hemp products to veterans and people with disabilities uh, who cannot afford them. Many people who use it say that it helps them with joint pain, stress relief, or a much-needed pick-me-up. And if you go to nugofknowledge.com and use checkout code SPIKE for 10% off right now, you can do exactly that, that I just said. Joe Solosky is running for Pennsylvania governor for the Libertarian Party. Joe Solosky is the key to Pennsylvania's success. And if you want to help him in his run, go to Joe Solosky, that's J-O-E-S-O-L-O-S-K-I.com uh, to see how you can help him take back Pen- Pennsylvania for the people, the Pennsylvanians, I think. That's what they're called. Mud water, the most appropriately named product that we will ever sell on any muddied water thing because it's literally mud water. Can't see what that says. There we go. Coffee alternative. If you woke up today drinking coffee and said, damn it, I'm sick of all this nonsense. I want something that instead has a bunch of stuff in it. Masala chai, cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and that's it. Well, what a what a coincidence that is that you're now watching this, friend, because if you go to muddywatersmedia.com slash mud, you can get literally every single thing that you said earlier this morning in one delicious, convenient package. It looks like coffee. It tastes, it. I guess, similar to coffee in that it just tastes like you put something in water that isn't delicious, but it is not terrible, and it will help wake you up and give you the power of mushrooms. I don't know. You should probably look into what's in this, but it's, it's really good stuff, and uh, I use it, and as you can tell, it certainly hasn't affected me negatively in any substantial way. So mud, muddywatersmedia.com slash mud. That's like the worst advertising I've ever done for anything. Jack Casey, the author of The Royal Green and Silver Throne, two books about rings, butterflies, and knives. Uh, they have a new book coming out this summer, uh, Crowned by Gold, which if a thousand muddied waters peoples buy this, these books and it, buy these two books here by going to Jack or Jack, I think it's Jack. I should probably look that up. Jack no, theroyalgreen.com, uh, then he will change the name of his book to Crowned by Mud. That is the power that you have as a consumer, as part of Muddy Waters Media family. Be sure to get these books, I'm sure. I mean, look at the book title, the covers. I know you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but I haven't read these, so I'm going to do that. And I'm judging that they're not terrible. So theroyalgreen.com. And personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. If it turns out that the book is terrible and you want to sue me, go to chrisreynoldslaw.com and you can do exactly that. You can sue me. You will lose because I'm Jewish. 
but you will lose. Uh, but if you want to sue someone else that you can actually beat, go to chrisreynoldslaw.com and, uh, and you can do that today. He is a great attorney. He won't sue me. He knows he'd lose. Uh, but he is uh, definitely going to help you for anyone else. Please don't try to sue me. That's ridiculous. Uh, the intro and outro music to this and every episode of My Fellow Americans comes from the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out on Facebook and on his SoundCloud. Go to his band camp. Go to joedavimusic.bandcamp.com. Buy his entire discography. It's like $25. It's great music. Some of the best music you'll ever hear. Be sure to do that today. I'd like to thank Le Bleu for this empty bottle of water. I don't have any water. I don't I don't have any water. I'm probably going to get water when they start talking about something in a bit because um, there is water in this room, but it's nowhere near me right now. And I needed to start the show because we were already running late. But I'd like to thank LeBlue for this bottle. It's good. I actually take these to the airport because you're not allowed to bring water because it could be a bomb. So instead they have you leave it in a trash can right next to them with all the other potential bombs. And so I bring this and I can fill it up with water. I don't know why I'm still talking about this. Thank you, LeBlue. Shout out to Taron Turks' mom and him, as always, folks. My guests tonight are two really good friends of mine. And the reason they're friends of mine is because they're incredible people. Or is it that they're incredible people because they're friends of mine? Well, you can judge for yourself. They are the president and executive director of For All Tennessee, which is a grassroots lobbying group. And I know what you're thinking. Lobbying group? Spike, that's terrible. No, they're a good lobbying group. They're one of the good guys. They're one of the good guys. They are in Tennessee legislature pushing for changes that put the power back in the hands of the people of Tennessee and help scale back some of the abuses that are happening in Tennessee. They have an incredible model. I don't even want to say anything more about it because they're going to say it so much better uh, than I possibly ever could. So, ladies and gentlemen, my fellow Americans, the executive director and president of uh, For All Tennessee, please welcome my my guest tonight, Joshua Eckel and Justin Cornett. Folks, thanks for coming on again. Yeah, thanks for having us, Spike. Thanks again, Spike. Okay, great. They can hear you. Fucking yeah. nailed that. Nice. Nailed it. We did it. Boom. <laughs> I nailed You're it. You're so good well, at this. I, <laughs> that's <laughs> yes. Thank you for that affirmation. Uh, and folks, be sure to chime in with your thoughts and questions. And Joshua, Justin, and I will tell you if you are right or wrong. Now, Joshua, Justin, um, we actually had you on uh, the show back in March when we were yeah. talking about some of the stuff you were getting started with. But for those who missed that, first of all, how dare you miss an episode of my show? But for those who did miss it, maybe some new people, maybe you weren't there around back then, that's fine. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what For All Tennessee is? What is it that your your you know your mission, what you're trying to do? Yeah. So, Spike, firstly, I will say we have some good news for you. Last time we were on your show, uh, we were talking about some of the shenanigans we saw in subcommittee killing our bill uh, for ballot access. But we've had yes. some good news to share, so we'll get to that in a minute. But okay. at the high level, um, uh, For All is a 501c4 political nonprofit. And we were established to mobilize Tennesseans around policy that empowers people and limits government. Um, our model is a little bit different than other 501c4s that you find. A lot of the times it's very top down. You've got these big donors at the top coming into a state and kind of jamming their own opinions into the legislature. For All is completely different. We flip that model upside down. We're a member-driven organization. The issues that we work are issues that our members pick every year. Um, and we're, we're democratized for that reason. So we're not working anything unless our members authorize it. And they're the ones that drive the policy. They're the ones that drive the agenda. And obviously 
they're the ones that get stuff passed. Really, people are the ones that do it. So we, we want to try to mobilize people around those ideas. Right. You would think most people would have some interest in empowering themselves or limiting government's effect over their lives. So uh, we think that we can build a lot of really big, strong coalitions with people from all walks of life uh, around this principle as opposed to around party politics. Now, let me get this straight, because this sounds insane, both of you. <laughs> Are you telling me that you trust the people of Tennessee to decide what their priorities should be in lobbying to their elected officials? And if so, how dare you? Please explain yourselves now. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, the idea is you've got any given day at the at our state legislature, there's you know, 50 to 100 lobbyists strolling the hallways, working a number of different bills, all that benefit people that, you know, have business interests, corporations. Uh, it, there's a uh, former official in the state that is trying to move his baseball team um, and has had some success lobbying on the Hill to help him uh, facilitate that. Um, Not to mention so, the slew of taxpayer-funded lobbyists that go there to represent uh, you know, the Sheriff's Association or the Department of Safety, they get to lobby on your tax dollars. Which, <laughs> right. Has a, it, 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 that's a double-edged sword, like so many things are, though. I mean, uh, the bottom line is, uh, you know, we are hoping to genuinely create something where people's opinions uh, can be represented in the policies that we work and we're trying to put in and perfect systems that will facilitate that. I mean, we're actively going out, uh, seeking uh, uh, speaking opportunities and meetings to have discussions about what Democrats want to see and what Republicans want to see and what gun owners want to see and, you know, what uh, moms against drunk drivers want to see and everybody yeah. in between. The idea, uh, the idea for us, though, is if we can get Trump supporters, Democratic socialists, moderate Republicans, moderate Democrats and centrists to all come into agreement and say, we want to work these issues, then we have some, we have gold there. Yeah, uh, and those are, those are the issues that need to be worked. And that's kind of the basis of what we've been doing from a lobbying perspective. Right. That is incredible. It, it is amazing. And we're <laughs> going to talk a little bit later on about uh, how people can get involved and how they can actually be a part of uh, helping you to pick the, the type of legislative priorities that you have for the future. But let's talk about why you're here and some of the incredible stuff you've gotten done, including apparently some breaking news on uh, on ballot access. But let's talk about uh, I, I, my understanding, the, the three main things that you've been able to accomplish. And let's get you guys started when again? Uh, a week after session started. Well, I think we're about 122 <laughs> days old, Spike. Something yeah. like that. And it, and if I recall, you said in the last episode, and I might be paraphrasing slightly, but that you were motivated solely by my words and call to action <laughs> yes. to bring yeah, the yeah. power back to the people. Can you expand yeah, upon I, that I, slightly? I told the story about um, the idea's origination and me bouncing it off of you in Dallas yes. at the convention. Yep. Yes. And that, I think that was the end of last year. And after mm -hmm. he spoke to you, it was about two or three months of prep work. And we launched second week of January, uh, 122 days later. I mean, Spike, at the beginning of the year, we set a goal for ourselves that we wanted to have one legislative win. And for us, a legislative win was a bill that made it to the House floor, another bill that passed. Little did we know we were going to have three solid bills that protect liberty, protect Tennessee and rights, get through the legislature this year. 
all three of which with really massive bipartisan support. So we're, we really appreciate the idea. Otherwise, you would have been wondering what to do this year. And, right. you know, exactly. I'm going to reinvent <laughs> myself. It would have been a whole mess. If nothing else, I gave you guys something to do for the year. This was in the first <laughs> session that you've been involved that you were able to get this done. I mean, yeah. let, OK, so let's yeah. talk about it. Tell us about these things that you've been able to help get d taken care of, some with broad and, and even unanimous passage in the uh, Tennessee legislature. Yeah, cool. go for yeah. it. Uh, so, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we had three different things that uh, not only made it to floor votes uh, passed and passed in a big way. Uh, we have a bill. Uh, we had a bill that uh, originally the bill prevented any state executive office holder from labeling businesses as essential or non-essential. Um, yeah. The governor wasn't incredibly pleased with that, so it was amended so that the governor uh, no longer, I, I, he was able to continue doing what he wanted to right. do, whereas cities and counties were not. Uh, and the bill was able to get on through 72 to 19 in the House and 27 to 3 in the Senate. Um, we'll try on the governor next year, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we got to build the coalition, you know, uh, maybe when he's on his way out. And that bill would basically say, yeah, county and city's executives cannot right. make a business essential or non-essential. They can't deem it that way. Because, uh, I mean, we, in our opinion, we saw the shutdowns as basically the biggest wealth transfer from small businesses to multinational corporations in the history of this country. Ever. So, in the ever, history yeah, of the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Actually, there, in, in, in human history. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there'll be, it'll be. 10 years down the road, we'll get really good studies on what exactly happened here. But I mean, yeah, it, it's yep. a catastrophe. Just 12, I mean, just in the last year, 1,200 small businesses in Tennessee were completely shut down. Too. And that information wow. is six or eight months old. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to yeah. say it's probably way worse than that because yeah. that data always has, I mean, even in the best lag of enough. reporting times, there's always at least yeah. a few months of lag on that. So yeah, I would. It's probably closer to double that, especially when you factor in that so many companies try to see if they're able to get back into the black during the holiday season. And that right. did not happen this year. It could be three or four times that it's that. I mean, it is really, really bad. So you yes. were able to do that. It wasn't everything you wanted. The governor still is able to declare uh, companies to be or businesses and, and meaning people to be essential or non-essential. Uh, right. But uh, he uh, he took away the authority from anyone else. So now Correct. if something like this happens again, there's at least a single point that everyone can put right. pressure on to say, no, you can't right. call us essential as unessential, as opposed to like uh, a rogue, uh, you know, city that's info imposing that on everyone and, and no one's Correct. able to really stop it. So it, it's yeah, a it's step a in the white right direction. Right anyway. Yeah. Good, good, good. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> Huge step in the right direction. Yeah, we got that one done. We got one uh, that pertains to civil asset forfeiture laws here in Tennessee. <clears throat> um, in Tennessee, uh, these hearings are not conducted in a courtroom. They're conducted in an administrative setting, which basically means the Department of Safety is judging whether or not you get to get the property back that the Department of Safety took from you. It's uh, really good times. But uh, you can hire a lawyer and the seizing agency, whatever law enforcement agency that sees the property is responsible for reimbursing attorney's fees. Uh, previously, that cap was at 25% of the property value or $3,000 as a cap. Um, <laughs> and we were able to get this bill through, which removed the 25% language, which was Good. awful. 
uh, and um, raise the cap to 10,000. The average size of the forfeiture in Tennessee, at least as of the last one, is like $2,200. Yeah. So yep. it, basically, $500 worth of legal expenses covered, which means you get something. Filed. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that that's an hour and a half. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. That's one hour of, yeah. of legal counsel, uh, pretty much. So big deal for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and for, for those who, who don't know, when we hear about civil asset forfeiture, you know, they, they try to make it sound like this is for drug kingpins where we can take their millions of dollars in ill gotten gains and they can't use it to hire hitmen to, you know, knock off all the witnesses. This is more often than not used against people that are suspected of committing a crime and have yeah. like 800 bucks in their pocket or have, you know, $4,000 worth of stuff in their house and they take it from them without them being convicted of anything. And then even if they are found not guilty or the charges are dropped or the judge throws it out, they still have to go through this process to get their stuff back, even though it was just proven that it should have never been taken in the first place. So now at least they're able to get an attorney. If the state wants to do this garbage, then they can pay for the attorney for them to have the due process to get it back. Yeah. And as Josh said, the average uh, forfeiture is somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty two to twenty five hundred dollars in the state of Tennessee. Um, So you're not knocking down kingpins with that. I mean, and and there are seizures that are in the, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or maybe even millions of dollars every year. And it's bringing that average up. Uh, So, yeah, it's we're not knocking down kingpins with it. And if I could add one more thing too, Justin, you know, there's a perverse incentive baked into the law the way it was written. Right. That it basically incentivized this, the Department of Safety to extend trials because, yeah, 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 you yeah, got it. So yeah. I don't know if you have anything no, to add to it. No, yeah. it, Well, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. I really did. But um, the the law as it was had a, a, a negative incentive for law enforcement. If you can just yeah. stall, uh, all of a sudden they can't afford to defend themselves. Uh, yeah, and, whereas yeah. The, the new law, um, changes the incentive completely. And now the question is, does an officer pull in somebody with a $2,500 car that they're going to impound when there's a risk that they pay out $10,000 in attorney? Exactly. Fees? So this might end up uh, really raising that average. And yep. maybe we actually do knock down some kingpins, but we reduce the overall number of seizures. Yeah, no, that, and that's exactly it. This makes the state via its enforcers say, is this worth it? Right. Is this worth taking this guy's, because 2200 is the average, the median is probably like much lower than that. Because right. once you take out those multi-million dollar impoundings or $100,000, you're probably talking the average time this is being used is like around a thousand bucks or less. It's, yeah. it's someone having a few hundred bucks or a couple grand being taken from them. And now the state has to say, is it even worth going through that? Or do we yeah. just worry about that after we get a conviction? If you get a yeah. conviction for something, and again, we're, you know, I'm against yeah. the war on drugs and all of that stuff. But as long, you know, something is on the books right now, it's, you can't argue, it's hard to argue that the state can't take something to reimburse for cost once it's proven they did it. But right. this uh, was absurd, and and the even though this doesn't end civil asset forfeiture, it certainly 
ends or at least greatly disincentivizes the abusive, predatory civil asset forfeiture that so often then forces people to plead guilty because they can't afford an attorney. They're getting railroaded. These trumped up charges are being dropped on them uh, and and they're being told and and because of cash bail, they can't get out. uh, And, and, uh, you know, if they have been over criminalized, uh, a lot of bail bondsmen don't want to touch it. So now they're stuck in jail until they just plead guilty to it. So it's yep. it is this is this at least helps fray that and 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 make it a lot more prohibitively expensive to go after people and, and predate pred- um right predate yeah. predate them avoid predatory policing <laughs> Pred- yeah get away predatory yeah. pre- prey on them it, it, it makes yeah. it yeah that was i knew there was a word for that to, it <laughs> disincentivized preying on you know right. these these small fries that are, may or may not have even done anything wrong yeah, unfortunately, we had a bill that was a reporting bill that would have given us uh, mean and median and uh, by where the dollars went and demographics on who was being uh, uh, you know, involved in civil forfeitures. And unfortunately, that one died in large part thanks to a uh, state-funded lobbyist. Which is a whole other story that uh, <laughs> is totally really on our list for next year. <laughs> yeah, in some That's way, good, like but it's a step. See, guys, this it's a step in the right direction, right? Yeah. You, you, uh, these are the last two things. These in these last two things, you didn't get everything you wanted, but you are much further along than right. you were, and that's because of the direct work that you are doing, building relationships, not yep. just complaining. There's a place for complaining, but actually going into where it's happening, going into the rooms where these things are being done, into the buildings and the halls where these things are being done, putting up with some of the nonsense that happens in there we can we if you want we can talk a little bit about what happened <laughs> there's, there's, there's plenty of it yeah uh but but uh you know but and still going through it and saying you know what i'm still going to try to get whatever i can and so i know yeah. i'm grateful to you and i know the people of tennessee are grateful to y'all what you're doing there to get that done now let's talk about the big one where you yeah. got pretty much i as i understand pretty much oh. everything you wanted yeah. uh and yeah. in a broadly broadly bipartisan manner uh, I'd say I dare say nonpartisan. Like it was just passed uh, as, oh, yeah. as sort of a. a, a, a you talk about it. It, it. it literally had zero no votes in the House or Senate, uh, I but love it. it's uh, no knock rates uh, and a lot of other reforms, positive reforms to policing here in Tennessee. Specifically, banning. Uh, yeah, it, it, it bans the issuance of no knock warrants. So, I, I, under no circumstance, going to judge issue a warrant that authorizes a no knock search. Um, it also uh, restricts the use of chokeholds. Uh, it limits the ability to fire at moving vehicles. Uh, it um, requires de-escalation training. Uh, and it also, uh, and arguably most importantly, um, yeah. it requires officers to intervene in situations of uh, excess uh, use of excess force and that report on situations that they are aware of of excess force. Uh, yeah, that that piece right there cannot be underestimated. Absolutely. That possibly, even though it, it kind of buries the lead, that one possibly long term is the biggest one yeah. because yeah. at least the way it's written and should be interpreted. It is now a big – it is now a crime to not intervene when a right. fellow officer 
is using unnecessary force. So when we talk about why don't the good cops stop the bad cops, this makes them. Yeah, and it prevents any kind of retribution from uh, anybody that might be higher up the food chain. Yep. That's uh, so. Yeah, it's a huge. it's a really good bill. Um, it, it's uh, one of the strongest bills in the country. There are five other states that have a ban on no knocks: uh, Maryland, Virginia, Florida, Washington, Tennessee. Five states total. Sorry. Um, and then you got Kentucky and New Mexico. They have uh, also banned no knocks, but with the exception of if the police think that evidence might be destroyed, which is pretty much the premise for all no knock, all no knock raids, basically yeah. means it's not a, it's a ban. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but the bill that Tennessee has is one of the strongest ones in the country by a long shot. We're glad to see our state leading the way, and it prevents you know one more Breonna Taylor, uh, one life safe is by far not you know. It makes it worth it. Um, but well, this it, is really the dream piece yeah. of legislation. I, I mean, there are a couple system. other things that you could ask for. You could ask for, you know, a um, amount of time before um, between a knock and an entry, uh, which is, uh, you know, something that's a real concern to a lot of people. But uh, at the very least, uh, we got a ban on the issuance of the warrant. Uh, and um, right, we're moving in, a, in the right direction. I mean, this goes a long way to right, allaying some fears in some communities of police, we hope, uh, and uh, it, it maybe makes it a little bit more of a uh, voluntary exchange between police and um, the people they're supposed to serve. Yeah, yeah, this is this, and this is where, again, when I was reading through the details of this and I saw a duty to intervene and I said, I, that oh, yeah. can't be what I think it is. And I'm reading it. it and I went, that's what I think it is. And this is where once this is pa- now, this is, uh, has the governor signed it at this point or it's still yes. on his desk? Yeah. as, no, as this week. Yes, sir. So a, this is the law now. Law. It's a law. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. So now that this is the law, the next step is educating the public in Tennessee that when you are witnessing, you know, detainments or anything like that, and you've got your camera out, don't just record it. If you see uh, improper use of force, remind the other officers there of their legal duty to intervene. Yep. Yep. No, just in case they forget, because, you know, it's new. Just in case they forget, remind them of their legal duty to intervene in the crime that is happening in front of them. Absolutely. I mean, the back the blue thing isn't entirely horrible. It's back the blue that does its job for the people as opposed to those that, you know, take advantage of their position for sport or whatever. Yeah, bad police are the, I mean, bad police really reflect poorly on the good police. Uh, You fix that problem, you get rid of the bad apples and you hold them accountable. And then it's easier to police. Yeah, it's easier to police communities. It's easier to have healthy relationships. So we're really excited to see Tennessee leading the way on this and, um, you know, more to come in the near future. 123 out of 133 uh, people in the two chambers voted yes, and there were zero no votes, which means all the other 10 weren't there. That is. Now, there were a couple of people that that, that uh, voiced a little bit of disagreement in subcommittee, but they eventually won. Uh, yeah. One. <laughs> the leader of uh, the leader of the House, uh, uh, the Republican majority, majority leader. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah, but so you he, know what that he, was? He was a little bit opposition, but he eventually voted for it. So when went. And, it, it, and his for- opposition, his opposition was that um, the no knock raids had a really high bar based on uh, judicial statute in the state, 
Uh, so Tennessee wasn't super bad about this, as some other states have been. Um, but it, the, he he was hoping to get just the basic legal statutes codified into law, uh, whereas this is an outright ban on it. So this was more of a procedural thing than anything. Also, he's signaling a little, right? Like it's like, oh, well, yeah, for, for those sure. who think that I'm anti-police, I'm not. Which, meanwhile, again, this is not anti-police. This is anti-abuse. Um, right. One of the and I, I've, we talk about this a lot, uh, not just for this, but in general. When you get rid of the things that make so many people angry at the police, there's less anger at That's the it. police. That's so it. get rid of no knock raids, nope. make it so that bad apples are are rooted out. Cause what do they say? The bad apples spoil the bunch. So get them out of there. And nope. if the problem isn't just that apple, but it's the barrel that the apples are in as a, as a recent guest of mine said, then fix the barrel so that we don't have that anymore. Because then the good apples are when they drive down the street, people are cheering that they're in town, that they're driving by because they know that they're not there to enforce victimless crime laws. They know that they're not there to give them a hard time or hassle them. They're certainly not there to abuse them. They're not there to break into they're, their house. They're, they're, they're there only to protect, protect them. Bad guys. Exactly. Serve and protect the public against the bad guys. And so that's, yep. that's what we want. Um, Derek Rhodes says he's liking what he's hearing, especially since he's, um, he's going to be moving to Tennessee in a couple of years. So you guys, you guys are helping lay the groundwork for a better Tennessee. For ltn.org go to the website there's a contact us and uh, let us know how we can get you involved absolutely that's yeah that's fantastic so let's talk about the other thing yeah, so, so but. <laughs> the last time that you guys were on the show and I don't even know what you're about to tell me because this is this is not a uh, uh, this is this is nothing that's on the in that, that I knew about uh, the last time that we were on the show that you guys were on my show, and we actually played it on uh, the Muddy Waters of Freedom as well. You had a, a situation where you introduced a bill, uh, a ballot access bill, and you can get into the details. But the long story short is it would it would have made things more fair for ballot access for third parties to get on the ballot along with the uh, the Republicans. And um, it had the votes to pass. And by voice vote, it was passed, except the uh, the guy in charge of that subcommittee, he heard this, these three and four votes slightly differently than literally every other person that heard it. Tell us about that, and then I guess tell us what your big news yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what it was. Um, yeah, so, no, I mean, the bill that we, just for your audience's sake, the bill that we we promoted, and in Tennessee, if you want to run as a third-party candidate, you know, Libertarian Green, uh, Kanye West, who had the birthday party, you've got to collect uh, 56,082 signatures to get on the ballot. The Republicans, yeah. Democrats, and Independents is 25 signatures. So we wanted to take that down to something a lot more in line with the national average, which was about 11,000 signatures. Yeah. So uh, that bill, as you as you said, exactly as you said, it went through subcommittee, um, and we had the majority vote going into it. We had the we had the votes in it passed by voice vote, yet the, the chairman gaveled it for the nays. Um, but this is one of the lessons learned that we had from session. And this wasn't the only time that this happened. Um, no, they, this happened. This, happened. this same thing happened three or four times, including to the person oh. that did it to us. Yeah. The person that did it to us. And his his situation was actually quite a bit worse. He walked in, you know, procedurally, he's walking in to roll a bill uh, to put it off for a, a couple of weeks, right? Uh, and instead of taking the vote on that, the chairman allowed some testimony and then there was somebody that called the question. And the next thing you know, he doesn't get to say anything else except for I want to roll the bill and they're voting on his bill and they kill it. 
Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was a similar situation where um, they um, the voice vote sure sounded like it was a yes vote. Uh, right. But it was definitely called for the no's. But that was a lesson that we learned this session. And next year, we're going to be bringing a, a bill to our members. Obviously, they have to authorize us to work this. But we're going to be bringing a bill to our members that basically requires a voice, uh, requires a roll call vote in subcommittee and committee uh, session. So it should mitigate that problem. In my mind, it makes sense for people to go on the record when they vote. It keeps, obviously, yeah. we have a problem, yeah. right? So, the only question is, is can we get somebody to run it? <laughs> and that's going to be the tough part. Who wants get to a go? Sponsor. Yeah, who wants to go be the bad guy and uh, basically ask everyone to go on the record? Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. Whoever takes that bill, uh, pay attention because they, 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 they care about, you know, they care about the process more than uh, yeah. they care about their seat because they're going to catch the need for it. And there's a good chance they're not even running for re-election. This is their this is their <laughs> burn, their bridge burn before they drive away. Bye everyone, and uh, and 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 kind of push this through because the thing is, you know, you can this can be easily a a again nonpartisan issue. That why should we not be finding out exactly how every single one of the the representatives and senators voted or didn't vote because many of them often don't vote how what they how they voted on a thing because you can say stuff all day long but if it was passed by voice vote uh, or or failed by voice vote uh then uh then it's you know it doesn't matter you you can lie you can literally lie it's not on the record and that's why and that's actually that's why it exists that way and that's why it's protected is because it gives leadership that extra degree of wiggle room like if they want to kill something or kind of shoot something down it just gives them more flexibility and more power to like subvert yes to subvert the will of the committee or the constituents that are represented on the committee and so that's a problem um that needs to be fixed i mean there are state legislators across the country legislatures across the country that require a roll call vote why it's not an abnormal thing um i mean all we gotta do is put the lights on the desk with the technology now there is zero reason not to have this you could literally just have them press the thing we do it at our conventions where yeah. it's literally, you know, people writing on a sheet of paper and collecting it. And we sit there and talk to each other, but not too loudly because we don't want to distract the people that are counting. Some people talk loudly, but, you know, we're just sitting there waiting for however many minutes it takes voting on all this stuff. There is no reason they can't just have, you know, boop and, and you see how they voted or didn't vote. You know, yes, no, abstain. That's that yeah. is easy and, and unnecessary. But and you know what else, too, Spike? It's more efficient. It's faster. It's easier. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yep. There's no re- there's no real case for it. The only case for it is I want to keep more power and I want to have the ability to <laughs> call a vote the way I want. The only to. case so, is yeah, I want I, I want it for reasons that you know are not about getting the vote correct. <laughs> and that's why I mean at the very minimum, Spike, this is what we've had a we've we've enjoyed this element of it, or we've been we've been happy when you put a when you put a bill like that, it really forces people to go on the record. When you bring it up in subcommittee, there's conversations right. that have that happen. You can watch the recorded voice vote. The funny thing, and this is kind of a, a, a pivot, uh, but real quick, all year we've been in pandemic mode, people wearing masks, right? In the past, you used to be able to watch the committee hearing video and see oh. people voice yes or no. And now they're masked. So it gives them even more latitude. And if they keep if they keep this whole mask stuff going on in the legislature, it's going to continue to be a problem. So it's got to be fixed. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, no. Yeah. Now you're just hearing. That's like, how you get. That's how you get Republicans to wear a mask right there, Spike. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it, 
one of the best ones he's ever done because he's not. Yeah, no, that's it. good. <laughs> that's good. You can say, hey, how'd you guys like to not have to worry about wearing the mask anymore? And I can just press this thing. No, it's uh, it, it's it's a that's a that's a big deal. So you just got to find someone that's ready to jump on that landmine. Um, yeah, and- we got to we got to research the legal on it, too, because, I mean, I, the Senate does this already, but I'm sure it's Senate rules versus House rules. Uh, oh, so, so the Senate already has where yeah. it's it's by some yeah. kind of like. But there's only 33 in the Senate. There's a 99 in the House. So oh. the a lot bigger and all that stuff. I mean, that's it's going to take on technology we haven't even heard of yet to go know, from 33 to 99. No, it's yes. I mean, it's different, but there's no reason not to have it. There no, is literally no. it is. And it, every it astounded. It, it is astounded me that when you talk and then you said this actually isn't uncommon. There are other states that, that do this, too, where they will literally have the votes to pass something. And the person in charge doesn't like it. So they go. No, no, they well, said no. I, or they, they, I, I'm not going to throw any accusations, but if you want to be conspiratorial, uh, there was a guy that walked out right before the vote um, to make yeah. the margin closer. So, I mean, again, just I'm that not much closer. That was an intentional act. He was one of our five one yes of the votes. So yeah. I, I don't know if there was a powwow before the scene and say, yeah, let's make this a little closer so we can call it and not catch as much heat. I don't know what it was. I mean, maybe it was nothing, but it, you know, it, 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 it. I, I ended up having a conversation with the chairman that gaveled it uh, incorrectly or presumably incorrectly. Uh, and, uh, you know, let him know that we had conversations with our yes votes and they all said they voted yes. We've got emails from them through constituents that all say that they voted yes uh, and asked him if he would reconsider it. And he's like, it, it's not what I heard. And uh, none of the members of the committee brought it up to him, uh, meaning no one was willing to stick their neck out for us on this bill yeah. to, and jeopardize upsetting the chair and putting any legislation that they might have in jeopardy. Um, so a, 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 there's not a whole he, lot you can do. There's not a whole lot of recourse he, there. You know? Except for bring the bill back next year. And assuming our members authorize us to do so, um, we will. Um, right. And I don't know, Spike, if you mind, if, if I pivot to another point that's kind of related sure. to this one, if we're talking about lessons learned this year, yes. which we learned a lot, um, etiquette and not pissing off leadership is is uh is is way more uh deep rooted and important than you would think so i i don't know if you want to tell the story of of representative griffey and what happened to him because i think it really yeah i think i think that's uh, very much worth talking about it goes right along with everything else we thought yeah um so yeah there are i've had a number of conversations with legislators on uh you know this etiquette type topic and uh, none of them are really willing to challenge chairs in any given situation. Um, there was one particular guy um, who had a bill that he ran on. He was trying to, you know, he campaigned in his district on trying to get this bill through. Uh, and he found himself in a similar situation uh, where it sounded like a yes vote, but it was a no, it, it got gaveled to the nose. Um, well, he complained. Apparently, there was a complaint then, and there was uh, a conversation from leadership about how when a bill dies, the bill is dead. Let's move on. Right. Uh, he, this guy, got onto the House floor and uh, motioned to bring his bill back. And when he did that, uh, the uh, Speaker of the House immediately—I mean 
you it's so fast it genuinely make your head spin uh, words weren't even all the way out of the dude's mouth and he picked up the gavel he slammed it down fails no, uh, no motion no second and the next day wow. that guy's key card to the building didn't work he was taken off of every committee uh, that he was on and it stayed that way for i don't know a week or two probably he was on punishment for this to send uh, the message yeah and and that is a process problem because what that does is it basic what that basically says to me is that leadership sees going along to get along more important than representing the people that you that are that put you in that seat so you will actually get punished for trying to represent your constituency by the leadership in the Tennessee General Assembly that is not a, most of them let's be real right and and maybe legislatures across the country i'm only we're only talking about tennessee here that's right, a real right. problem. I mean, and if that continues to get worse and worse, um, leadership continues to consolidate more power. People are less represented. It it just it's it's not a system that needs to continue. And I think a good step is, um, you know, we're looking at reforms to try to fix that. The voice vote thing was, or the roll call vote thing was one of those things. But we, right. we're keeping a close eye on it because it's it's not getting better. It's getting worse. Well, even the always. <laughs> well, even the subcommittee leader who did the thing to you, he had it happen to him. Exactly yep. right. And that's why they're not willing to, yeah, there's always a bigger dog up the chain, right? Or, and he know. did nothing about it, I assume. He just, oh, well, then I guess that's not happening. And he turned around and did it to you. So this is a culture of this, right? This he doesn't is, want to get primary. He, he said that he didn't do it. I, he, they, he brought that up when I was talking to him. It's like, it yeah. happened to me the, the, the day before. He, it, yeah. I, didn't, I wouldn't do it like that because I didn't like it when it was done to me. He said he promised he wasn't trying to work against me. He swears that he called it the way that he genuinely thought he heard it. Seems like the other is true, but we'll, we will we'll leave it. We'll leave you guys to make that decision. You know what? Let's make it easier for him to not have to worry about how he heard it by just making it where you can see how everyone voted and it's recorded. Now that just it's one less thing on this poor man's uh, docket that he has to deal with figuring out, you know, what the, I, I, how the eight people voted uh, yeah. by voice that are sitting right next to him. How they vote. we can just take that right off his plate. What a, what a perfect opportunity. So some other lessons learned here. You know, what are some of the other things that you learned in your in very productive first session here? <laughs> I just got one more. And if you don't mind, I'll to touch on it. So we talked about this a little bit earlier. Taxpayer funded lobbyists are a very, very big problem. And we saw it with um, I think it was HB 409, which was Justin right. Lafferty's reporting bill for civil forfeiture. Justin and I, if you're curious, you can go to our website for all and we actually broke down the hearing to kind of show you the misrepresentation that was coming from the Sheriff's Association and the Department of Safety. But these people um, are lobbyists that typically work for state agencies like the Department of Safety. These people get paid to go into subcommittee and basically work against bills that are brought by uh, reps that are there to you know, represent their constituents, theoretically at least. So yeah. um, it happens all the time with civil forfeiture. The, the example that I give you, and Justin touched on this earlier, with HB 409, all we were trying to do was ask the Department of Safety to tell the public, hey, how many times when you do a seizure, how many how many times does that end in a criminal conviction? And that was our first step to like lay the foundation and start figuring out the scope and uh, of the problem of civil forfeiture. Of the problem to begin with, yeah. Yep. Right. So they showed up. Now, you think this is simple, and it is simple. We have... Uh, county clerks and judges on the record that we've spoken to across the state that, that refute the claim I'm about to reference. But the Department of Safety said it was going to cost them millions of dollars um, in committee to facilitate this request because they would have to build a software system from scratch to aggregate 
all the God. cases across all the counties and all the states. Um, you know, again, we have very, very uh, acknowledged people on this that are on the record saying that's a complete sham. It's simply asking a question um, when you do a already. seizure. Yeah. So, so but that, that's the bigger problem is these people are getting paid by you, the taxpayer, to, to lie, often lie, to spread misinformation and work to empower the state. So you're basically paying the state to lobby itself. How screwed up is that? Um, it's and, and and the problem is so much deeper than that too. I I, I mean the 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 lies is simply a consequence. Their, their role is to have information that is relevant to an issue and give accurate representations of that information. Right. And when they do that, they provide a really good service because no legislator can know all the ins and outs of all these different departments, and they're legitimate questions. But I you know we. We did our homework on this one, uh, and we have a number of people, including the guy on the ground, the court clerk. Uh, we have court clerks that we have talked to on this, on how does the system work? How do, What if you need to add new things to the system? How does that work? How complicated is that? Right. And, you know, it, it, it's the answer is it's not. Uh, and uh, the idea that they needed a million or two dollars was uh, – nonsensical and scared everybody off the boat. And this taxpayer-funded lobbyists, to be honest with you, Spike, are one of the biggest barriers to civil forfeiture reform in the state. They always come out, law enforcement and Department of Safety individuals always come out to lobby against pretty much any reform opportunity. Um, and they get paid by you to do it. And we think there's something wrong with that. And those relationships get developed through those conversations. So when it comes oh, yeah. down to it, uh, if there's a dispute in something, uh, the, the state-funded lobbyist that they've talked to a thousand times is going to be more trusted than my word. Yeah. Um, in this case, it, it, it was really ironic because the Department of Safety was arguing that the fiscal note should be more in the one to two million dollar range. It had a fiscal note on it at thirty-four thousand dollars or something like that, right? Yeah. Uh, meaning that's how much additional funds it was going to cost the state. So you had the a state fiscal review board arguing with the department of safety on how much this was going to cost. And this fiscal review board said $34,000, but the department of safety gets in there and says million, $2 million. And the legislators are all like, they obviously know what is fiscal review. No, uh, all they do is review every freaking bill that costs the state yeah. money. Yeah, how could how could the actual accountants who do nothing but do forensic accounting on what things will cost at the absolute granular level all the way up to the macro right. level? How could they possibly know better than a lobbying group who has a vested interest in not being held accountable? That this is a problem with really taxpayer funded lobbies, taxpayer funded uh, unions. Which I mean, thankfully you, you at least don't have that there. But the lobbies are essentially working as a union when it comes to this type of stuff. Lack of accountability in 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 from a legislative standpoint, uh, just the police department unions, the, the law enforcement uh, unions and lobbies across the country, uh, it all combined amount to the second largest lobbying concern in the United States, second yeah. only to the healthcare and pharmaceutical industry. Um, if you then add all of the different, the teachers unions and lobbies and all, all, all of, and I shouldn't even say teachers, you know, the 
education complex unions and lobbies and all of these different things. They're easily the largest lobbying concern. The taxpayer, the we want more taxpayer money and less or at least no more accountability lobby right. that exists in the in Congress and in all of the state legislatures and, and citywide uh, uh, you know, uh, halls of power in the country are easily the largest concern. And because it's a because it is taxpayer-funded lobbyists working with taxpayer-funded politicians about taxpayer-funded initiatives, and the only disincentive built in is to not go with the flow and get kicked out and, and primaried and, and not be able to continue being there, meaning there's right. no real incentive for them to do that. It leads to this kind of closed loop gravy train that just gets worse and worse and worse. And that the needs to be put to an end. It's a good old boy system. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot of things, right? And it's, it's all the things that George Washington prophesied about in his great work, George Washington's farewell address. Right, yeah. right. So do you have a an idea for let me be a legislative fix to that or is it really just a vigil, vigilism and 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 well, I mean you could go all out and try to ban taxpayer funded lobbyists I'll be honest with you though um I, we are still uh wrapping up session so as we go through this summer we're engaging our research team and our legislative team to try to come up with a legislative solution to address that problem and we present it to our members I haven't seen model legislation on this but to be honest with you Spike we started seeing the scope in uh, this problem about 60 days ago, right. and so we're still um, we're still collecting data to figure out the best way to address it. I, th I, I think uh, one thing that they are apparently able to do that no one else is able to do is they can simply request to be heard on a piece of legislation. Um, and I think if uh, that was not the case, and everybody just like everybody else, they had to be asked. Uh, to uh, come and testify on a bill. I think that that would be a small change that actually made a pretty big difference. Yeah. Right, actually have them on the record for it instead of just in the back halls doing stuff. Right, right. Well, that's yeah. good. So here, you know, you guys are just getting started uh, with what you've been able to accomplish. And, uh, you know, you're already looking forward to what the next legislative session is. But like you said, that's not entirely up to you. It's up to the people that are becoming a part of For All Tennessee. Tell us about this. How can people get involved and actually help you pick legislation to decide? What does what that process look like and how can people get involved in it? Yeah, so it's kind of a multi-phase process. So between now and the end of the year, we're surveying our members and we have um, a list that we're putting together of issues uh, that are within that scope. And we are polling our members constantly and saying, hey, you know, what issues do you care about? What reform issues do you want to hear? That information goes into basically a master list of a variety of different reform opportunities. And then at the end of the year, when we get to Q3, Q4, we basically put it to a vote. So if you've paid uh, the $60 a year minimum to be a member and you're included in that distribution list, you're going to get a ballot. That is basically a ranked choice ballot that says, you know, um, out of these issues, what do you care about? Um, yeah. And 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 the, the issues that make it to the top of the list are the issues that we're going to work. Um, the one other thing that we do, um, and when you look For at the most part, yeah, exactly. And we, and what, there's got to be there's got to be some caveats. There is a, we we have to be mindful of how many bills we take on. Yeah. you know, right, how many right. bills we can kind of combine together uh, to where you know we're not working 
we're working three things at once and you know it makes it a little bit easier so we gotta yeah, just make gonna, a job with the stress load that we can handle. that's right and we also have an advisory committee and the advisory committee that we have is made up of elected legislators phd professors lawyers. former law, yeah, lawyers and former former lawmakers and it's <laughs> evenly split between republicans democrats and centrists so there's a balance there in the sense that the, the advisory committee basically has to sign off things on things just like the membership does. So the advisory committee basically is a check step to ensure that we stay true to our mission, we listen to our members, and it's also a bipartisan uh, it's about bipartisan action because these people it's are actually multi. It's actually multipartisan. Try, exactly. It's yeah, tripartisan. Yeah, well, right? it's more than that because I mean because we agree in the constitution. Yeah, as well. we've got. Every everything you can think of. Quad partisan? Infinite partisan. I don't know. Yeah. We got it's them all. We want them all. We want we want everybody represented. We want to show that we can get people of all kinds of different political ideologies in the same room and come out with a lot of really good ideas that we can get done in Tennessee that empower Tennesseans or limit the government uh, when it comes to their restrictions over their lives. And if you if you look at our website, it's on the very front page of our website. We focus on principles and not personalities, policy and not personalities. So we are focused right. on trying to get rid of the absolute bombardment of out of control political personalities that seek to divide people, put you in boxes, make you scared yeah. of the other side. And we want to look at both sides and we want to say, what can we agree on? And if we can find things that both sides agree on, then we know we have something that works. And that's the core of this entire organization is we're not going to work it if it's a we're not going to grift to one side or the other. It has got to have consensus or it's not going to get worked. And the right. stuff that bubbles up is is really good, good legislation. typically. Yep. So. So what are a couple examples of some potential bills and again i know you have to take it to the the, the floor for your your yeah. your people to be uh uh because you don't just do voice vote in uh, in for all tennessee right. what uh what are uh, some examples of things that you think uh that you're going to present for potentially uh being some of the so things you're going to do things. in the next session there's so many things i mean i've got a wish list that's miles long but i mean it, i can tell you it, what i'm hearing the most i mean we're hearing a lot about qualified immunity Yep. We're hearing a lot about medical ranked marijuana, choice. Uh, ranked choice voting, uh, money bail, um, you know, in, uh, reforming that system, um, occupational licensing. Um, I'm trying to think. Now, I've got a list here of some of the stuff our members have given us. Those are the big ones. Um, you know, I, I've heard also about uh, reforming the death penalty. Um, mm. You know, we've heard about tax reform. Ending marriage um, licenses was a bill that was actually ran this year that we would like to see come back and uh, put some work in on. We got in late and didn't realize it was there until it was too late. Yeah. Mm. And it, 1,500 bills to go through. But there's there's right. a hit list a mile long. And you'll probably gather some of these are a little bit more partisan. Uh, some of these are a little bit less partisan. We're hoping that once we get this master list compiled this year and we throw it through the system, the process that we put together, it will be a very solid uh, you know, list. Obviously, I, I'm going to tell you right now, Spike, I'm, I'm very confident that we're going to be working something on civil forfeiture again next year. And I'm pretty confident that we're going to be working something on ballot access as well, just due to the nature of our membership. But um, that remains to be finalized. And yep. if you want to get involved in that, for the people listening, foraltn.org slash membership, 
you could pay 60 bucks, you get included in that distribution list and we'll be pulling you through the summer. Yeah, so, name, and name another organization that says, what do you guys want us to do for you? <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's, that's 60 bucks um, a, a year. A year. A year. Five bucks a year. Yeah. Five bucks a month. Yeah, we need- $5 a month for less than the price of like a cup of coffee a week. Yeah. You can be a part of, and do, they don't a have small to McDonald's coffee. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it's not even a, even a, a lavish coffee. And now they, uh, uh, people do not have to be residents of Tennessee or they do. Correct. Nope. They, they do, do not, not have to be residents of Tennessee to vote. No, we, we and we don't, we, we're hoping that we can expand this to other States. Uh, so we appreciate anything that we can get, uh, from now, uh, people who want to see this organization succeed and come to them. I do have followers outside of the United States. They do have to be American citizens. Uh, check with legal on that. I need to check I, I with legal on that one. I'm not 100 <laughs> percent certain that they do. There's I'm guessing hard... that they do. Most anything yeah. that has to do with legislation or lobbying or political parties or anything like that, almost I, I'm not sure I know of an example of one where yeah. it isn't. So we're ours aren't our, ours aren't tax deductible or able to be hidden either, though. So yeah, but as a all, oh, okay. Okay. If you are if you are out of this country and you want to donate money, shoot us an email at info for all I'll get with my legal counsel and I'll have an answer yeah. on the website. And we'll see we'll now. see if we're able to. Yeah. But for yeah. all Americans, certainly anyone who wants to be a part of this for like a buck something a week, you can be involved in the process of setting Tennessee free at the grassroots right there in the halls of power uh, in a in a process that you're staying accountable to your own ideas. It's not just about telling the legislature what they need to do, but also being in total control of your lobbying group. It's about creating the model for what you want to see in the in your group and then so, exporting that out to what you think that the, the people need to have in their in their uh, elected officials in, in the legislature. It's basically the anti-party is what it is. It, yep. is, it is yep. a way to have political momentum and avoid the BS that you get in the partisan system. And uh, if we can grow this, our target goal is 2,000 members this year. We'll be ready to spread this to other states. We already have about two or three states in the wings ready to go as soon as we give them the green light. And we want to make this a national organization that um, that focuses on healing the wounds of partisanship. Um, and we need we really need your help. So really very well phrased. I, lo- I love it. This is what we talk about on the show. And I, t- I talk about on the trail, you know, going to different conventions and events every single. I was just in. Uh, I just got saw you guys. Uh, what the weekend before last. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, this this is what I talk about. The partisanship is intended to create division in order to distract people from the fact that they are being robbed by everyone in positions of power and instead to fight each other when we're all victims here to varying degrees. And if instead we turn that around and unify against the people that are actually doing this to us, we can very easily remove them from power. But we have to come together to be able to do that. Once we do that, then it's it's all it's all smooth sailing after that. Well said, brother. Yep. Well said. Yeah. And again, I, we're very intentional about trying to make sure that we are not only bringing, getting real unity and diversity of thought in this project, uh, but trying to show that we're doing that. I mean, we want to set up events with uh, Democrats and Republicans getting along on stage and not attacking each other, talking about things that they can work together on, 
that fit inside the wheelhouse of empowering people and living in government. Yeah, and if you're in the Nashville area, we'll be having an event um, second week of June. Um, we're hoping to have a couple lawmakers there to talk about uh, the very minimum we're going to be giving people just a really brief synopsis on for all having a lot of one on one conversations, having a couple beers. Um, and we'd love to see you can get alerted on that by going to for all and just yep. getting on our mailing list here at the bottom of the page. So love to see I, I i love it guys so for all tennessee.org eventually you guys are going to be I, when i saw the branding and everything else i'm like, when i saw the branding and everything else i'm like you guys are already you're 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 working grassroots you guys are already positioning yourself for making this a statewide and eventually national or, or multi-state and eventually national thing and i love it because this model is going like you said anti-party this model eliminates the whole purpose of what the political parties were supposed to represent were, well, this will give the people a chance to come together and, and, and voice their concern. No, it doesn't. It gives people, a, it just centralizes things even more before they even get to government. This does the opposite of that. It puts the power back in the hands of the people, which is all we preach on this show and, and everything else we're doing. And every single person and every single organization that exists is a potential ally as long as they're okay with empowering people or limiting government, everybody, it doesn't matter who it, every, we'll work with anyone to do good, no one to do harm. That's the rule. So we're, we're not, you want to talk about a big tent. It's one principle and everybody can find something. I love it. I love it guys for all Tennessee. Uh, if you want to stick around, I'm going to just go through a couple of these comments here uh, before I give you guys the, uh, the, the final word here. Uh, I have been asked to make you say something that I had to say on the last episode, which I'm, I'm definitely not going to make them say that. Um, uh, Ginny Moore, uh, two things from Ginny Moore. Ginny Moore uh, says that Texas is listening and learning, but she also asks, uh, and we, we talked about this earlier on, uh, so she may not have heard it. Does Tennessee require filing fees for ballot access or, or, or signature or just the signatures? Just the signatures. Okay. Um, I got a question from, from what's that? I said a lot of signatures, but yeah, just yeah. signatures. Yeah, like just a, 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 the filing fee is the, all the money you're spending having to get those signatures. Exactly. Um, right. uh, Liberty Shamrocker asked me, Spike, any news on Ohio's QI bill? Actually, no. And I need to reach out to them and see where we stand on that. Um, they were supposed to. We've already reached the point where the attorney general has to either uh, say one way or another uh, that uh, the uh, QI, um, the qualified immunity bill that was presented to be added to the legislature, to the ref, uh, the ballot in uh, in Ohio for the voters to vote directly on, uh, whether that the wording in the uh, description was was fair and balanced um, and uh, and represented the actual wording right correctly. Um, my understanding was that if the if the attorney attorney general did not rule one way or another, it automatically did get registered. But I will follow up and find out. Um, and uh, someone says, uh, "I made it." Hal Boston lets you know that he made it. Um, and, hey, what's up, Hal? He's a friend um, here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jack Casey saying, "If you need to sue someone, uh, get in touch with Chris Reynolds. Um, he'll help you sue." Um, <laughs> and uh, Denise, uh, Cox, Denise Housley Cox says my heroes. Great work guys. Um, I don't see any questions here. I just see a bunch of people saying how fantastic you are. And I certainly agree. (laughs) Um, I mean, that's good, but we much prefer questions. Brent says he loves your tie, Joshua. Um, (laughs) and, uh, okay, well, great. So literally everything, everything that I'm seeing here, uh, is, uh, is just people saying how fantastic you are. So 
clear. Uh, clearly, uh, you guys have won over the followers. Uh, before I let you go, uh, I want to give both of you guys a, a chance to say anything you feel like we didn't get a chance to say. Tell us about anything upcoming. I think we covered most everything, but I want to give you the chance. Joshua Eckel and Justin Cornett, the floor is yours. I got one thing, and I'd, just, I, I'd be a jerk if I didn't mention it here. Um, one of the things that we are hoping to uh, start next year is uh, something that we've tentatively dubbed the repeal project. Um, this being a libertarian audience uh, in general um, should appreciate the idea of repealing bills, repealing bills. So the idea would be to have 10, 15, 20, whatever are the worst, most egregious things that are in code, like can't take a fish off another person's hook or some stupid right, old right, right. laws like this and just start getting them going. And every year, keep getting, keep repealing more and more things, condition everybody to kind of accept that and think, hey, this is an avenue that we can use for a lot of different things. And right, right, right. Things that really matter. And if you're, and just to recap on mine, if, if your audience is interested in sharing a law that they want to see uh, repealed, or if they're interested in having a vote, as I said earlier, for altn.org, go to the bottom of the page, sign up there with the get involved section. Yeah. And then if you want to become a member, you should see a for altn.org slash membership. We'd love to have you. And then you can always reach out to us. Um, I'm at Josh Echo on Twitter. I think he's Justin C on Twitter. I don't even know. You'll find Jay Cornette. Links are on the is, website. He is Jay Cornette with two T's, one two two five on Twitter. And I know this because I just had to tag him, and boy was that difficult. Uh, but he, uh, uh, but it's if you go to the For All Tennessee page, and I think in the About section it has uh, all of yeah, it's got all listed. social links. Yes, sir. Yeah, all the social links are there. So stay in touch with these guys, uh, uh, Joshua and Justin. Thank you again so much for being on. Stick around. I want to talk with you during the outro, um, folks. Thank you so much for watching this amazing episode of My Fellow Americans. I love the rare times that we're actually able to talk about things happening in government that aren't uniformly terrible so here was a great opportunity for that and how uh some information on how you can help do more uh in the future um so uh join me tomorrow night uh well join first on thursday at eight tomorrow at 8 p.m eastern join um matt wright for his show the money the the writer's block it's just his show it's not our show his show the writer's block and uh his guest I don't know who the hell his guest is, but you're not going to believe who it is. It's the best guest that he could ever possibly have tomorrow. So uh, be sure to tune into that. And then immediately after that ends at 10 p.m. tomorrow night on Thursday, join me. I'm picking up my phone because it's on Club. Join me on Clubhouse if you are on Clubhouse. I'm going to be on there. I don't understand Clubhouse. I'm going to be on Clubhouse. Someone else is hosting it. They're doing what I'm going to be on Clubhouse. Join me on Clubhouse, whatever that even means. I'm at Spike Cohen on Clubhouse, whatever that even means. And just, just, I'm on, you'll hear me on Clubhouse. Just join me on Clubhouse. That's all I can tell you. I don't know anything past that. If you go on to Clubhouse and follow me, then I, my understanding is you will be told when I start talking at 10 or not. I, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Just join me on Clubhouse. I'm not selling this very well, but I don't understand Clubhouse. This would be like me talking about being on TikTok or something. <laughs> okay, so join me on Clubhouse, and I will see you there. Or actually, you I won't see you there. You won't see me either. You'll hear me. 
uh, on Clubhouse. Join me on Clubhouse. That's I don't know why I'm still talking about this. Then on Friday, uh, join me in uh, Golden, Colorado. I'll be at the Libertarian Party of Colorado's uh, 2021 convention and 50th anniversary extravaganza. That's what I'm calling it. Uh, go to lpcolorado.org to sign up today. If you live anywhere near Golden, Colorado, just outside of Denver, and uh, we will be having a fantastic time there. Uh, I will be speaking. We'll be participating in workshops. There will be all sorts of other libertarian superstars there, including give it, uh, going to be part of a uh, charitable uh, event happening there in LP, Colorado. Tasha Cohen my wife she'll be there so everyone seems to care more about that than me so she'll be there and uh be uh i will be putting out information about how you can help with a charitable effort that we are putting together there uh so more on that later so bring uh money to give to this charity uh or bring some uh non-perishable goods uh more on that later this weekend golden colorado lpcolorado.org then join me right back here next week on tuesday for the muddy waters of freedom where uh, matt Re- matt wright and i will parse through the week's events like the sweet little monkeys that we are and then join me right here uh, on wednesday same spike place same spike time for another fantastic episode of my fellow Americans. Who's my guest going to be? I don't remember, but it's going to be amazing. So join me next week. Folks, thanks so much again for tuning in. I'm Spike Cohen, and you are the power. God bless, guys. Who am I to deny? I would cry when a loved one dies. I recognize.